Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar De Jesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Today, we continue our conversation on the three core segments of your business, and we dive into part three operations. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting and splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, PoolInvoice.com, Blu-ray XL, Aquastar Pool Products. We want to thank them for their continued support. John, good morning. Good morning. This is a little weird already because we don't have Zach on and I haven't done this in a couple of weeks. So I'm feeling like I'm, for some reason, like you're rushing me because usually I'm the second one. Because I go quick, right? <laughs> you're going quick, right? But usually I have Zach to listen to first before you call on me. So I think I'm going to have to be on, on my A game today, which thankfully I think I'm on the road to recovery because it's been quite the shit show the last three weeks for me. I've been down and out, hit or miss. I'm not really feeling 100%. And just, I think yesterday I started actually feeling like I'm turning the corner and and getting a little bit better. I, hopefully you can see that I have, I look a little more positive or a little happier than I've looked in the past couple of weeks, but I'm just excited to get back on the saddle and get things going again. You know, we got a busy week coming up. We're actually going to be taking the next week off to move out the in-laws to Texas. So we're jumping in the truck and we're going to make the hike or the trek drive down to Texas tomorrow, and then we're going to be there all week until Sunday. So looking forward to that. Yeah, no, I can't wait for you guys to come out here, hang out with you guys, and start getting moved into the house out here. That is going to be pretty awesome. Of course, as you know, not only will you have all the moving and all that kind of stuff that you're going to be doing, but then I'm going to be like, hey, John, we need to shoot this content, and hey, we need to shoot that. You're going to just be like, you're probably going to have to get to the point where you're just going to yell at everybody and just tell everybody, stop, I need two seconds to breathe, dang it. <laughs> I like constantly being busy, right? The worst thing that I can do is just sit and do nothing and took some time off while I wasn't feeling well, not necessarily time, but I took advantage of days that I didn't have to work and just to try to recoup and get better. But it nobody enjoys it in my household because I'll get up and I'll start pacing and, I'll, and I get real irritable and I just feel like we're just wasting life doing nothing. So staying busy is a good thing for me. It helps keep me tame and focused and moving in the right direction. I'm looking forward to it. I was looking at the calendar for January and 
it probably has just been better if I just stayed out in Texas the whole time, right? And not actually come back. But it's easier for you to take a couple of trips to go back home than it is to take all the trips out here. Yeah. And so I'm going to be back and forth from between now and February. It's just going to be, I'm probably going to be in Texas more than I'll be in, or at least not home here. Right. I'll be somewhere else right. more than, which is going to be a little weird, but I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's going to be exciting times. Because you'll be out here this week, which will be the first week of January, and then you'll be yep. out for the week of the 18th, and that'll be a crazy week yep. for us. we got a lot of stuff going on there. And then the week after that is, I think, like the 26th or something like that. Are you? Oh, I'm going to Cancun. You're going to Cancun. <sighs> yeah. Dang, so. yeah. Poor me, poor, right? <laughs> poor John. California, Texas, <laughs> Cancun. You know, I need to do the little TikTok with the little wine thing. Right. <laughs> right, for <laughs> poor sure. Poor me, poor me, poor me. <laughs> Rack up those miles is what you got to do, baby. We almost didn't do it because it's such a cluster right now with the airlines getting flights back and forth and the flight to go out. We're leaving like on Tuesday, I think, or something like that. And we're coming back on a Saturday, but the only flight back has an 18 hour layover or like a 12 hour layover. And there's multiple options where when we come back from Cancun, we either fly through San Francisco and then LAX, or we go to Miami and then back to Arizona and then from Arizona to Palm Springs. And then there was one that flew to DFW and then we got there at like nine o'clock at night. And then we don't leave until nine o'clock in the morning the next day. But luckily we have our house out there that we can just get off and go home and sleep night and then get up early in the morning and then fly back on Sunday to Palm Springs. So I think it, it worked out that way for us. But if we didn't have that option, I probably wouldn't have done it and we would have canceled the trip. But this whole airline situation is weird, right? And you can see what's happening with Zach right now. That's the reason why Zach is in here. He got delayed a week. One week, they all of a sudden said, hey, I'm sorry, we can't get you home. The next flight is the following week from Wednesday. Now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude, I would lose my shit. Luckily, he's with his parents and he's staying at his yeah. parents' house and that kind of works out. Imagine if you go to Cancun and they tell you oh, it's an extra week. Right. What do you do? Crazy. Watching the videos and stuff like that, especially with Southwest, the way that they work, they don't have a hub, right? They just go. So if you cancel one plane, you're canceling three legs of wherever that plane was going to end for the day. So it just ends up a mess. I, and I know they're going to take a lot of heat because they've been on the radar for a while now because of the last cancellations that they had and stuff like that. Anyways, so John, obviously today's the 20, today's the 30th already, John. Wow. The year's gone by. I think we need to reminisce of all the crazy things. Let's see. Michael saying here, DFW forgot to load our luggage on our plane on Tuesday, had to go back to LAX on Wednesday night to pick it up. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely crazy, Michael. It's been like that out there everywhere. So, John, we're getting here towards the end of the year. Obviously, we had Christmas. So, how was your Christmas? Christmas was good, considering that everybody was sick and wasn't feeling very well. But we managed to pull it off. Bless Mama's soul. She's a, she was feeling like complete dog shit. And she managed to pull Christmas out and make it happen. And I think everybody enjoyed it. And we did our usual thing. But it's funny, as, as the kids get older, you don't have that. I don't know what it is. But maybe it's just this generation. But Christmas is just wasn't like what it was when they were kids or when we were kids. Man, I couldn't wait for Christmas. It's the magic. They believe in Santa Claus and they is it? Is that what it is? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because ours were fun up until Jaden a couple years ago. I think last year was the first year he knew. Before that, it's the magic, the secrecy, the tippy-toeing around everything and stuff like that. And once they grow out of that, they're like, oh, here's my list. So the whole... Yeah. I don't know. When I was a kid, even when I was a teenager, I was excited for my young teens. I was excited for Christmas. And maybe it was the fact that, hey, I actually had a Christmas list and I there's things that I wanted and I wasn't really sure I was going to get them because we didn't grow up very, very... We weren't rich by any means, right? We were very poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like, there was always that, like, is there a chance of me getting it? And there was putting it out there. I think nowadays with the kids, it's like, try just trying to give them a, give, give me a list of what you need or what you want. And we can't even get that from them, right? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I want. <laughs> give me a new headset or some bullshit <laughs> like that. We're like, what? what? Well, <laughs> okay. And it's true. I think part of it is our fault because I'm the same way. They're spoiled. So I've talked about it. I grew up in a tiny town, right? And it was the same thing. You didn't know. You would ask for a whole bunch of stuff, but you're never guaranteed to get everything. And so now our kids, John, they're all spoiled. They all have iPhones and they all have laptops and they all have TVs in their rooms and they all have Xboxes and they all have so... For them, it's probably kind of what do I need rather than that want. Dude, well, look, I got a funny story. I don't mean to keep going off subject here, but I think this is pretty funny. And I think some people out there will enjoy it and give you a little glimpse of my life, right? And how things operate in my household. I might have told you this story before, but this was a few years ago where my youngest son, Aiden, wanted to have a power wheel. And for some reason, he wanted it. And I was at that point where I'm like, dude, I told Janie, I go, look, do we buy it? We buy all this shit for the kids, right? And they don't even use it, right? They won't even—they don't even open them all up during Christmas, and they'll pick one or two things and go get lost or whatever, and then half the stuff they don't even use again, and it's just a waste of money. Let's get them something that they need or do something that he really wants a power wheel. I'm like, he does not want a power wheel. He saw a commercial for it, right? He got bamboozled by the commercial. <laughs> he doesn't need one. And I'm like, come on. I go, he doesn't want this power wheel. Trust me, it doesn't matter. So sure shit, right? We go and buy a, I buy him a power wheel that year. And I tell you not, right? I buy him a power wheel, right? And we have it for him. And he doesn't even use it that Christmas or that day or whatever because he did so much other stuff that he got and he was all excited. And I told Janie, I go, look, man, I go, I'm going to prove a point to you. She's all what? And I go, watch this. I think it was like two days later, I took the power wheel and I returned it, <laughs> right? I returned the power wheel and got my money back for it. Eight months later goes by and the kid still doesn't know the power wheel's gone, right? And I tell Jane, I go, look. And then one day, I think something came up and he, he, he brought it up. Again. And <laughs> he, brought, he brought it up and what happened to my power wheel? And I go, I told you. You know what I mean? I go, I told you. And it's just like both these kids are just like, dude, really? I mean, we, I don't know. We were wrapping up gifts too, and she's trying to. Janie wants to just just fill up the whole room with Christmas gifts, and la there were gifts from last year that we bought them that they didn't open <laughs> that she grabbed and rewrapped again and gave to them this year, and they didn't even know. <laughs> but it's like really, and I'm looking at it, and then my boy Alex, which is my middle son, right? It was like he's all these. I think these mom, I think these look familiar. He's all this is close to something we got last year, but whatever. And then what happened? They're still there, right? Unopened, right? On the floor. And what are we going to do? That's going to be the ongoing joke is we're going to take those same gifts and we're going to wrap them up against next year. But it's just like, dude, these kids are spoiled. And I don't know, am I doing them an injustice? Probably. But it's just funny. Just the way the mentality is with me. I was, dude, I'm like Christmas. I couldn't sleep. I'm ready to rock and roll, make things happen. 
these kids are rolling out of bed at 11 o'clock in the afternoon because it's Christmas break. And I'm like, what is up with you guys? But anyways. For me, good morning, Jeanette. Huge shout out out there. She's telling you, John, the ultimate re-gift. <laughs> right, the ultimate re-gift, I love right? it, I'm Jeanette. Like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We're going to have to use that one, Jeanette. The ultimate re-gift. So, you know, what's funny is I have my sister in town. They went out for a couple of days to snow in, in Utah and I got to pick them back up today and they're going to have New Year's here with us again. And so my nephew is 12 and then my niece is 19. And we were talking about it because we went to bed really late, putting out the gifts and doing all that kind of stuff. And morning comes and normally it was like five o'clock in the morning. The kids would wake up and they're all going. This year, there was some of the kids that didn't even want to get up. They're like, oh, we'll do it at 10 o'clock. Like, let me sleep. I don't want to go downstairs. What's wrong with them? <laughs> And I'm like, that would never happen in my household when I was growing up. But And it's funny because I don't know what your tradition is. So our tradition is they don't get to open gifts until the next day on Christmas Day. But when I grew up, Hispanic family, we did gifts the night of the 24th. So we would always go get together with the family and then gifts would be done the night before Christmas. So they always want to be able to open some gifts the night before. And I'm just like, nope, you got to wait till the next day. So it drives them crazy. Yeah, we usually sometimes open up one gift on Christmas Eve and then you open up the rest during on Christmas Day. And we wait for the in-laws to come over and then cook Christmas breakfast and we all chill and wait. And then we watch all the kids open up their gifts, but it just seems like every year it just gets later and later and later and just like, whatever. Yeah, it's all good. You know, out here it was crazy because we've been dealing with Brianna's car issue. So finally, I don't even know if I updated everybody, but we had Brianna's car, which was a Malibu and ended up being a lemon. Guy brings it down. Guy goes to bring it down to get it fixed from Oklahoma, crashes it, take it over to the body shop. The guy tears the car apart, calls me up and he's like, oh, from the damage, you have this and this, but we got to now fix this. And now we have to fix that. And I was just like, John, I was done. I was done with the car. So I called the insurance, figured out how much I was going to get for the repair, took the check, sold the car, John, as it was to some body shop. And then we went shopping for cars. And so we ended up getting her a car. But we did it, John, the days that the weather was like freaking minus seven degrees outside. It was just absolutely just miserable. And you know that I hate the cold weather. But John, this was completely out there. And here's what I'm trying to get at, John. And I'm trying to prep you as you're moving out to Texas. So I moved out here. Nobody talked about the cold weather. And the first year I moved out here, it was like, oh, this is cold weather. It hasn't happened in 20 years. And I'm like, okay, it won't be that bad the next year. And then year after that, we have the freeze, right? And it snowed out here and there was snow and, oh, it's a one in a lifetime thing. And I'm like, okay, it's a one in a lifetime thing. And now we get this Arctic breeze and they're like, oh, it's a generational thing. And I'm like, wait a second. Right. I'm like, I've, setting records. I've, I've moved to Texas and I've lived through three like historic lifetime events. I'm like, I think you're bamboozling me and changing the name of it. And, and so my disclosure to you, John, is it, the way that they sold it to me is, oh, the winners aren't that bad. But man, I've lived through in the last five years, John, I've lived through three historical events. And so I'm just <laughs> prepping you. It's going to be cold. Uh, well. <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to it. A little change is good. Yeah, yeah. see, Jeanette is saying it's really abnormal. But Jeanette, I've lived here for five years and I've had three abnormal events that everybody keeps telling me that it's abnormal. And for me, three out of three out of the five years, that's normal, right, John? I guess. <laughs> I guess it's a new norm. <laughs> we'll see what I bring out to Texas when I get there. Dude, I wore thermals the entire three or four days, John. It was like zero degrees. Like thermals the entire time. And talk about going outside to look at cars. Now, luckily, the dealer that we ended up at has this garage where the doors open and close automatically. So they bring the cars in there and that part is warm. So you know what? It just dawned on me, John, as I said that. That tells you that that's normal in Texas if they have the garage. It is normal. Yeah, that's exactly you know what, what I was going to say, right? I just, yeah. As I said, you got that boozled, I, bro. As I said that in my brain, it said, "You dummy! Look at what it is. How they have a set up a dealer with that on purpose." So let's not talk about that anymore. Oh, I go crazy with this cold weather, John. I don't enjoy it. Yeah, don't you go ahead and don't you move I'm after move I out move here. out I'm there. Out. You, yeah, you move out, right? I'm like, <laughs> wow. John moves in and I'm like, hey, John, a little bit of bad news. I'm moving out. We got a house for sale. (laughs) All right, John, let's get this party started because we've been jibber jabbering here for like the last 20 minutes. And so, John, a couple of weeks ago, a pool pro sent a question in that was such a great question that made us do a deep dive. And based on Zach, it was the three core segments of our business, right? So we broke it down into the following operational, customer relations, customer service, And in the first two podcasts of this series, we talk about the operational aspects that the pool pro sent in. And so in podcast 122, we talked specifically about how to manage inventory, chemicals, and distribution of chemicals with your employees and your staffing and your hiring process. And then in episode 123, which followed that, we talked about how to figure out how many pools your employees should do, your overall business strategy, and equipment tracking for your staff and your pool pros that work with you. So in today's operations, the core segments, we will talk about the last three that were sent in. I want to jump in, and Zach did send some notes for a couple of them, so we'll go through Zach's notes. But as we broke these down the last couple of times, John, we talked about the different ways to do it. And one thing that we talked about is that there is no one procedure for every single company because everybody's at a different journey in their path, right, in their growth. And so you put procedures and you put things into place as your company grows and you change those as you go along. So let's start with truck loading processes or procedures. Somebody sent in and said, if I look at my operations, what should the truck loading process look like? For me, John, I had my own guys load the trucks and unload the trucks. And so that part for me was really simple. I think I was pretty lucky in this area that the guys were pretty good at managing that aspect to it. And I didn't have some of the nightmares that I hear other people have with regards to loading and unloading and all that. So all the guys had hammerheads. They charged the hammerheads, but they'd come in the morning and they'd load the hammerheads would load cams. They knew what it is that they needed to have. And the trucks had certain things already in the truck, things that they would use on a day-to-day. So for us, it was very simple and the guys would load it and unload it. For Zach, he sent me his notes. And for Zach, what he does, John, is he said, we have one designated person who fills chemicals. And then we have two people who work together to load all the chemicals into the trucks. For us, this has helped minimize chemical spills, improve shop cleanliness, and also create consistency with how the trucks are loaded. 
And by having these designated people, they have accountability to make sure that these things happen. Then everyone is individually responsible for their polls, tools, vac cart, test kits, and so on. Then everybody is responsible for unloading their trucks at the end of the day and putting everything in its designated location. It's very simple, but seems to be very effective so far. And this is the, one of the things that I love because an example for me, this was just never an issue. My guys used to do it, but Zach has a complete procedure in place and has people loading the trucks because you know how it is, John, it'll happen to where you'll get to the first pool 20 minutes away and you forgot to load your pole. Look, I don't know. I wish Zach was on here right now and I'm going to ask him next time we talk, but I'm just trying to figure this out. What unloading and loading are we doing every single day with the truck and why are we unloading something and loading it back up? Is it because we're leaving the trucks outside and we don't want anybody to, to steal anything? Is that the reason behind it? Yeah. So I'll tell you, for me, I used to leave the trucks loaded because the guys would come to my house and load and unload. But then I had two instances where the trucks got completely wiped out overnight. So woke up in the morning and everything was gone out of the back of the trucks, everything. I used to leave the regular hoses with the vac heads and the tabs, the chlorine and all that kind of stuff. And twice came up, woke up, went outside and they were completely empty. So I had set up cameras at home. And the second time I caught the guy, which was really early in the morning, he came, which was pretty ballsy. He shows up at 6, 6.20 in the morning and wipes out my truck instead of doing it in the middle of the night. But where Zach is, his trucks aren't closed up and they're not fenced in. They're just in an open parking lot. So he you know, obviously loads. Remember, they stole all his catalytic converters from his trucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I get that. And Again, we're not in a position, I've never had any of that happen to us before. So if we had to unload and load our trucks every single day, that would be quite the monumental task. And it would get old really quick for me because I look at that as waste of money in my personal opinion that we have to do that. And I would sit and I would think and say, okay, what do I need to do to put ourselves in a position to where we don't have to worry about that? And a one-off thing that happens every whatever, whatever, it it's worth to, to absorb whatever that cost is. But for me to unload my truck and to load it back up again, I'm going to be spending an hour, right? My truck is packed and I got a lot of good things going on. And if I have multiple employees and I'm adding one, two, three hours worth of labor every single day, paying them 20 bucks an hour or whatever I'm paying them, 60 bucks a day and spending on labor, going back and forth, doing this and doing that, loading these trucks. And then now you multiply that by five, that's 300, right? And then now you multiply that by four, that's $1,200 a month that I'm spending right now at minimum on labor, unloading and unloading a truck. Where could, can I put that money towards some somehow finding a way to secure becoming or get in an area where I don't have to worry about that and we become more efficient? Because it also wears down on your employees too, I would imagine doing that. I may be looking at it at a different perspective, but I can appreciate and understand that some people might be put in that position. But man, if I literally had to unload my truck every day, I might be thinking of doing another career because I'm like, dude, this is crazy. My truck is packed to the gills right, with some goods. Where you live to and location obviously plays a big factor in that. And I understand and I yeah. respect that. But if I were in that position and doing it, I know how Zach with his notes, he says that he has a separate person that does those things. That probably ends up being the most efficient because I guess... One person knows how to do everything, but I think doing it that way takes away from ownership a little bit. I believe that like with our guy, Fabian, he's responsible for his truck, everything that goes in it, everything that comes out of it. 
it's his responsibility. And I'm not there to babysit him or put things in, take things out. I'm at, if someone took something out of my truck and put something in my truck that I didn't know about, I'd never find it. I wouldn't know what it was or where it was. But as far as like loading the chemicals, going to the shops, when we get chems, we don't store them on site. We get them, we pick them up at distribution. It's really simple with him where he goes there, he has a list of things that needs to get necessities that need to be in the truck when we initially loaded it. And those things needs to constant, constantly always be in the truck. And he knows when he needs chems, he goes, orders chems, does what he needs to do, swaps them out, does what he has to do. We also use a program. We use Skimmer. And we're very good at when we're at a store or not at a store, but at a stop. And we need to, we need a Skimmer basket. We need a pump basket. We need O-rings. We need this or we need that. Religiously, we'll add them on there so that we know that the next day, next time we go to distribution, that we need to pick the stuff up and then we go through the checklist. So that makes things really easy for us as far as keeping the truck loaded and unloaded and minimizing any undue or extra work. But that's how we stand. I think it's very important that as a business owner, when you do hire on that first employee, that you remember all the mistakes you made as a business owner when you first started and you loaded your truck, right? The things you wish and you wish you didn't do and you wish you could have done better and being organized, I think it gives you an opportunity to almost turn a new leaf and say, hey, look, okay, I know how it should be done and you need to stick and adhere to it. And you need to make sure that your that your guy or your girl, whoever is running that truck, follows a procedure that I'm sure you are very well aware of now that you've been doing it for a while because you've got to live and learn. Because in a perfect world, when we first started, our trucks were like pristine, right? Everything was perfect and we had everything all organized and you know how things go. And all of a sudden now your truck's a disaster and you're like, oh my God, I got to clean this truck. I can't find anything or you're doing extra trips back and forth to the distribution, looking for a part that you bought three weeks ago and you know you have four of them inside your truck, but you can't find it. That type of, and I know we've all been there at a certain point in times in our life, but once we have that opportunity now to start fresh, right, we need to start right with our employee. And I think it's very critical that we do things the right way and we stick with the program. And then more importantly, that you start to do the same exact things because as a business owner or as a boss, you need to be able to set the example with your people as well. So I think it's a pretty easy subject. I mean, unless you probably have 15, 20 trucks, it can be a pretty crazy ordeal. But if you're only running one or two, three, four trucks, I don't really see it as being that big of an issue. Here's the part that I love about this, John, and that is that when we talk about all these things, this is the perfect example of how what works for one person doesn't have to work for the other person, right? Your business is going to need what your business needs, not what John does, not what Edgar does, not what Zach does. Sometimes it's a combination of all of those things. If you do have five, six, seven guys, it starts to become an issue. That's when you need to figure out what your procedure is. And we're just all different, right? So you look at Zach, he's got procedures. He loads his trucks a certain way. I used to have my guys, for the most part, be responsible for it. John does it a different way. So just kind of look for what works for your business at that point in the journey. I know out here in Texas, big companies that have 15 guys, they have to have a yard that's closed, right? Because you've got so many trucks and they'll have their chemical in a chemical room in the yard and then the guys can load from there. That kind of becomes a lot easier because you're not having to unload and reload trucks every day. And at an operation that big, John, it's different when you have three guys loading and loading. You got 15 guys. In Zach's situation, he would need two or three guys loading all of those trucks every day. And then you start getting into what you're talking about. 
take a look at the money that you're going to be spending. And do you put that money towards a location where you can park the trucks and they can be safe and you don't have those issues? Yeah, you don't. And then you have, you're actually able to spend an extra hour a day servicing pools and making money, right? Instead of doing that unloading, loading crap. I don't know. But see, again, you nailed it on the head. Every approach is different. The solution is based off the situation and it's not a cookie cutter approach. There's the definite like foundation or a bare minimum that I think every company should take, right? As far as, yes, who's responsible, who's doing what, make sure people are stocked up and have some type of SOP when it comes to that portion of the business. But it all really depends on your current situation, right? Are you loading up at home? Do you have a warehouse? Do they take their truck home? Do they leave it there? Are they using their truck? There's so many different variables when it comes to it. But what's most important is that as a business owner who's been doing it, At the point when you're hiring an employee, usually you've been on the road for a little bit. You just need to go back and make sure you do it right the second time, right, is what I think is very important. And don't allow the same the same troubles or issues or inconsistencies that you let yourself get away with because you're the boss or the owner. You don't think whatever. Don't let that same mentality trickle down to your employees because all you do is compounding the same issue. It's an option. It's you have an opportunity now to to write what you wish you would have done right before, if that makes any sense. Yep. Hey, I do want to give a big, huge shout out to Leslie. Leslie is listening to our podcast and I'm going to take it personal here, Leslie. I know that you're listening and I haven't seen Zach jump on anywhere, say, hey, what's up, bros, or any of that kind of thing, John. And Leslie is over here letting us know that they were supposed to be home yesterday, but can't fly out to Wednesday, but they do have their luggage. So big, huge shout out to Leslie out here listening. And as we throw Zach right under the bus, boom, 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 boom. So anyways, John, let's do this. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. When we come back, we will jump into an attendance policy. The Hyper Pole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. 
Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pro's time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation Live podcast. We are talking to John. We're talking about the three core segments of your business, talking about operations and John, I thought that, uh, you know, I saw your video off. I could never catch you. You're always one step ahead and you always Perfect. come on like right at that Perfectly. last. Do you have like a timer that you can see the sponsors or something? Because you always like click, boom, right? Uh, it's just my internal clock. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty impressive, my friend. So thank you. Thank you. Anyways. So John, let's continue our conversation here. So the next segment that was sent in to talk about was attendance policy. And Janie, big shout out to you out there. Good morning, young lady. So the attendance policy, I know that having an attendance policy is important, but can you give me an idea of what it should look like? And I think this is a great question, John, because this is one of those that you start as a business and it's how do you get to the nuts and bolts of what that should look like? And so before I jump into this one, I'm going to make sure that I address this. And this is something that we always talk about, especially for somebody that has a small company. And when you start to implement these policies, if you're a single polar and you only have one employee and you allow this pool pro to come in within a range of time, you need to be very careful. For example, at the beginning with my first guy, they would show up from 7 to 7.30, right? To me, it wasn't a big deal. The school for my kids was across the street, so I would walk the kids over to school at 8 o'clock. So I would leave at 8, but I would have them come anywhere from 7 to 7.30. So to me, it wasn't that big of a deal because I never had issues. They'd be there between 7 and 7.30. Once you start to set these procedures in place, and John's talked about it before, you have to be very careful because as you start to implement these policies, now you have to hold everybody accountable to these policies. So if you have the attendance policy and you say you have to be here by seven, it's not 7.15, it's not 7.20, it's seven o'clock. So what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying don't put those attendance policies in place, but just be cautious as you're putting procedures in place that they fit with what it is that you need to do. For example, for me, I really never had an attendance policy. I really only had one guy that started to give me a hard time and then I had to address that. But if you do put that attendance policy in place, John, the thing is now they need to watch every morning and make sure that everybody's coming in on time, right? They need to get reports on attendance. They need to address if somebody's late. They need to track the points and they need to do all that kind of stuff. So what I'm trying to get at is 
once you put those procedures in place, you're creating a little bit of flow of work. So just make sure that you're ready and at that stage of your business to be able to do that. So if you have a company like Zach, they have a different business structure. So they have an office, they have a building, they have a manager that's in the office that makes sure that all the pool guys, that all the guys and the girls come in at the same time. And it's very important because if you have an office like that and you have a manager, then that manager has to be there before everybody comes in to make sure everybody goes off, that make sure that the attendance is there. And then also they got to make sure that all those people come back. So you have a different structure, which is good. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As you grow and you get a lot of people, that's the path that you're going to be headed in. The typical way that it works, and I, John, you could talk about your past and how you guys used to do it, but typically the way that it works, and I'm just making up general numbers, you come up with your point system, but the way that it works is, let's say that for an attendance policy, you have 10 points in a 52 rolling week, right? So if you have somebody that is late more than six minutes, right, because there's a grace period between one minute and six minutes, you could be there and it doesn't count as being late. That does not mean that you could show up every single day at 7.06, right, because then that's a pattern. But you have a little bit of a grace period in order for you to be able to come in. After that six minutes, so if you're there at 7.07, Then what happens is you track whatever it is, half of a point or a point, whatever you decide that your attendance policy is going to be. And then you start to track attendance that way. So, for example, if they are sick and they call in, then it's a point and a half, right? So they will start, they have 10 points and based on their attendance, they start to lose points. And that's how you hold them accountable to that. And then there's different things that you could do. An example, somebody's a no-show for two days in a row. That's considered job abandonment, right? They no-show, no-called for two days. That means that they're not coming back. There's other things that companies do, and that is that if they're sick for three days in a row, right? So let's say that you go out and you get the flu and you're really sick for three days and you have a doctor's notes, then that's considered one absence, Anything over those three days, right, then those are considered individual. So they would be individual absences on there. And you could do different things with that attendance if somebody works less than half of the day. So let's say that you have somebody working and they only work for two hours and then they need to leave. Then what happens is that counts as a sick day, right? It's considered a full absence. And then you could set up things in your attendance policy that they're required to call out two hours in advance before before calling out, right? If you have that in place, they have to call you two hours in advance. Or if they call after that, then obviously it's considered a full absence. The big thing here, John, is that if you're going to implement something like this, you need to be in a structure kind of like Zach's, right? Where they have an office manager that's able to track the attendance, that's able to watch it. And then the most important part is that you put this attendance policy in place. Now you have to hold everybody accountable to every single absence, to every single tardy. So if you have somebody that's getting there where they call in a whole bunch of times and they're late a whole bunch of times, you have to have that conversation. You have to call that person into the office and let's sit down. Let's talk about your attendance. In some cases, you might need to write up, right? And then in the worst case scenario, they max out their 10 points, then that can lead to termination, And you can't be in one of those where you go, oh, 
well, I'm really short staffed and this is not the right time to let somebody go. It's like, no, no. If you put these procedures in place, you are now having to make sure that you follow those to the T. So what about you, John? Obviously, you've got a big, huge background with managing thousands of people. So what have you seen out there that are some of those attendance policies? The minute I read this, right, and we started talking about, we were going to talk about attendance policy, and I thought to myself, I go, what a rabbit hole we can go down with this, because this is, God, we can, I can literally talk about attendance and what to do, what not to do with some pitfalls and realities for two hours straight. And this is a tough one, man. It really is. And, you know, everything that you're talking about, Edgar, for sure. But let's just be, let's just be real here. As a business owner, when you first bring on your first employee, that is the biggest decision any small business owner takes, right? And it's that jump that you take in order to start growing your business. And then once you get them, right, keeping them, right, and them being the right person is the next challenge. It really is. And I can't tell you how many times... I've spoken to guys that have been caught in that pickle that you're talking about, right? Where, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So I'm just going to end up just dealing with it until putting up with the BS or putting up with, with an employee's attendance behavior just simply because I'm not at the capacity to do anything about it. So I want to take things back and before I go into what we used to do, more of what I think we should be doing as business owners when we first bring our our employee on, it's very, the type of employee you bring on is very, very critical to how quickly you progress as a company, how quickly you can grow or how quickly you can destroy everything. And I think the most important thing you need to do is before you bring on an employee or when you do bring on an employee and you give that individual X amount of work or pools, never try to put yourself in a position to where if they were gone that day or that next day that you would still be able to function as a business without destroying your reputation or hurting your bottom line. And that that's tough to do, but the reality is that's the only way you can really set yourself up for success without just rolling the dice and hoping that everything's going to be okay, fingers crossed. Because the reality is you're going to go through multiple employees before you find that one guy or that one girl that you can depend on. Because attendance, especially out here in California, I mean, it's a touchy subject, right? You need to, you talked about things that that you need to look for, what you need to do. And I would say the first thing, you need to be consistent with your attendance policy, right? You need to be fair with your attendance policy, and you need to be firm with your attendance policy. And that means sometimes you got to make some tough choices that will put yourself in a position that that you don't want to necessarily be in, but you have to do. Like I said, you can hire somebody who's a complete snowflake and they get a little sniffle here and there. And all of a sudden it's the end of the world and they can't work or, oh, they stubbed their finger or they got a hangnail and I can't pick up the cases of chlorine anymore and or whatever. You know what I mean? And then you got some tough as nails type of individual. I know me, I never called out sick when I was at work. I never did. It was just not an option. And this is when I worked for somebody else before too. And then we had other people that were constantly getting sick and stuff. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people, but you need to be fully aware of this and prepared to to take the necessary actions to correct it. So 
Man, all I can say is no matter what you do, whether you have one employee or you have multiple employees, whatever you decide on doing, you need to decide on some form of plan and corrective action for any of your employees and you need to just hold them to it. And when it does come down to if you have a point system like what Edgar said and it comes down and says, hey, look, we need to you have an unexcused absences X amount or you've come into you've come in late or done no call, no show, stuff like that. And when it comes down to writing people up or terminating them, you need to stick with it and do it, especially if you have multiple employees, because you can't pick and choose what consequences you give one employee over another employee when it's based off of who they are. Right. You need to be fair and consistent. It's like the law. You can't you can't pick and choose what consequences or what actions or, or what repercussions each employee is going to take based off of your feelings towards them or that that doesn't come into play. Back in the day when it came down to attendance, it was just like Edgar said, you have your grace period. It was up to seven minutes or whatever it was. After that, obviously you write people up. First thing with us is we would always do informal warnings, right? It'd be a verbal warning that we'd have with an employee and let them know you know, what they're doing, revisit the employee handbook and revisit the attendance policy to make sure that they understand and they've fully understood what the attendance policy is and what the consequences are if they're late or tardy or don't show. And then we do a verbal warning with it, write it on a piece of paper, put it in their employee file, have a conversation. And if it were to happen again within 90 days, then we would take that informal warning and we would take it to a written warning. Right. And after the written warning, we would have a sit down, tell them whatever and what the next step would be. And the next step would be a final warning. And then if they did it again within 90 days, we would sit them down and we'd have a final warning that we'd give them and let them know, hey, look, next one, we're going to be terminating your employment because da 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 or whatever, whatever. And if they did it again within 90 days within that time frame, then we would follow through and we would fire them accordingly. After the 90 days, usually it wipes out. That's up to you and how you want to and based on the laws and that you live in, what states and stuff like that. But that's usually how we went about it because things happen. Sometimes your car does break down. Sometimes you did miss the bus to get to work, right? Sometimes, God forbid, something happened to a family member and you had to go to the hospital or you had to take care of life things. Shit happens. And it's your job as an employer to also be compassionate about it, right? And say, hey, look, we get things happen. So that's why you have a window. And, but if it constantly happens, you need to understand that we need to be able to rely on you as, a, as an employee because it puts us in a certain position. So I would just say, look, with whoever you have and the person you bring on, you just need to be clear and consistent with them, right? And it starts with you as the employer. So if you're expecting somebody to be there at 7.30 every morning to leave or you're loading them up or doing that and you're the boss, be there at 7.15 or 7 o'clock and make sure that you're ready for them and you're not showing up late and just hold them accountable to it and be prepared that if they're not willing to keep their end of the bargain, that you're not going to put yourself in a situation to where it's going to destroy everything you've built and that you're able to absorb that added on work yourself or have another technician be able to do it without it hurting you and just be fair and firm about it and it's pretty much as simple as that and you're going to find good ones and you're going to find bad ones but if you stay fair and consistent you're going to keep yourself out of hot water as an employer so that nobody comes back and says oh john's not playing favoritisms da 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 da, da. and he treats this person better than that person when it's all clear when it's all clear and expected with each and every employee and you hold them all accountable to those same standards. So that's attendance in a nutshell with me. Yeah. And here's the other thing is Shannon's on here and she is saying that one of their policies is that 
you can't call out after a paid holiday. And in order to be able to get that paid holiday, you can't call out after that. I don't think we'd be able to do that here in California. Yeah, actually, in California, when I worked in hotel, I don't know if it's changed, but when I worked in hotels, it was like that in order for you to be able because remember, holiday pay is not mandatory. It's a benefit, but they would have it set up that way that you couldn't call in after in order to get that holiday pay. So many times the tech would call out after a big holiday, leaving their work to be picked up. So we had to try to put a stop to it. And yeah, there's different things that you can put into play in order to be able to address it. And it makes for us, it made total sense, especially in hotels, because obviously holidays are big travel days for people. And so you got a lot of people obviously having to come in and pick up the slack, just like the people for Shannon here, which by the way, John, I don't know if you saw her post. They had a truck that caught on fire. They had one of their repair vans. Oh yeah, I did. I did. That was crazy, wasn't it? I think it was not. It wasn't the first one either. I think they were talking about saying that this is the second one that had happened to a Chevy. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I, I saw the video and then you could see if it was Shannon. I don't know if it was her husband, but they're running with the camera and with the phone watching it. But that's got to be nerve wracking itself, man, in your yard and you see your truck on fire. Yeah, she's saying yes, the second one. That's scary, man. It is scary. Look, I want to add one more thing to the attendance policy. And I think that it's one thing that we forget. When I talk about being fair with your policy, it goes both ways, right? Not fair in the consequences when they don't adhere to them, but fair in understanding that your people have a life. And there's some things that are very important to people. And it's your job as an employer to understand what those are, right? You got to figure out what makes people tick. Let's be 100% honest when you're bringing on a technician right now. They're not made, it's, not a, it's usually not a six-figure job immediately. And they got a career and everything's beautiful. Right, it's hard work. It's a lot of work. It's an honest living, and the potential of making great money or growing with the company is enormous. Right, that's how I look at it. But the truth is that everybody has their priorities, and some people's priorities might be that they play softball, right, or they love to their daughters in ballerina, and they want to go watch their shows or they perform on this day or that day or do this or do that. And or holidays are very important to them or they're very religious and something, whatever it may be, find out what those are, right? And be very accommodating, as accommodating as you can be with your employees, because doing stuff like that goes a very long way and it eliminates a lot of these I'm sick or call out type of situations. Because if you've already planned ahead of it and now you're doing those things for them, right? And I don't mean bend over backwards and bend to every thing that they want. That's not, that leads to a whole other problem that I've talked about in the past, but it's just being understanding of their life. And if they call you up or they talk to you and say, hey, John, look, I got this thing that I'm going to in a couple of weeks. I'd really like to be able to go if it's possible, if I can have that day off or take a whatever if you can do it, and even if that means you do a little extra work on your own and you take them on, by all means, please do that. And I promise you, those things go a very long way with those employees. It's like making a deposit. We This is what we talked about back in management is like you, with your employees, it's like a bank account, man. You got to give deposits. You got to deposit. You can't always just take withdrawals because there's if there's no money in there in that account, you're not going to get anything from them, right? It's okay as the boss to start, hey, I did a little here. You can see this. You can see that, right? Fair and firm. I'm helping you out. I'm doing this, 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 that. 
So the day I need you, right, I can call in that, that or I can submit that withdrawal slip and I can take some of that back that I gave and your employee, right, hopefully, if they're a good person, they're going to know and feel, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to do this for my boss because he really needs me to do this, right? Or I'm going to be there. Or I'm not going to call out. I'm going to do the right thing because I can count on him. It's a two-way street, right? So I think it's very important that we figure out what makes them tick, what's important to them. We're very clear about what availability looks like when we hire them, right? Because you have to know what an employee's availability is and whatever they commit to is what you can hold them to, right? And whatever you agree to and they commit to and you agree to it is what you hold them to, right? And anything outside of that is being done as a favor in essence, where you're accommodating them, you're doing reasonable accommodations for them so that they can do whatever they need to do to help make them keep them happy. Because at the end of the day, they don't own the business. They don't have as much skin in the game as you do. And sometimes we lose sight of that and go, no, of course not. How many games have I missed? I'm here working and I'm doing this or I'm doing that, right? To them, it's not necessarily, you can't expect that same buy-in unless you get really, really lucky with a diamond in the rough. And it's a thing of also being a good leader, right? You have to really empathize with your employees and you have to know what their passions are and what the things are that they like to do. And you have to be accommodating around that so that you create loyalty, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about with regards to customers and customer loyalty and all that. But that also goes hand in hand with your employees. And when you can truly empathize with them and know what their likes and dislikes are, you're going to be in a much better position to be able to have happy employees rather than just everybody show up, everybody do your job, everybody leave. At some point, people just aren't attracted to that. They're, they feel like, okay, just like you would feel like being a number, right? John, let's do this. Let's take our final words from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to get your final thoughts. The Hyperpole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. 
Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray, all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pro's time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation Live podcast. I caught John. Yes! I caught him. So, hey, big huge shout out out there to Dave. He is online. I caught you. I called it out early. Did you do that on purpose so that I would be excited about it? I did. Uh, <laughs> creep. So anyways, hey, John, I want to give a big, huge shout out out here to Dave. He is out there scrubbing tubs out there. So big, huge shout out to you. And then by the way, typical I, and I'm not going to take any credit for this because I, I don't take any credit for this. If it was up to where I was at, it would probably be a bare wall like John's, right? John has a bare wall. It's all white. It's perfect. My back spacing has all been, obviously, my wife. And Janie saw the plant and goes, hey, new plant? And I said, yes, but it was all Leanne. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even notice that. See, leave it to Janie. <laughs> oh, anywhere. But hey, so Dave is the pool caddy. What's going on? I did not know that. Yes, I follow all your stuff on social media. Big huge shout out out there to the pool caddy and the entire team out there. Huge shout out. Anyways. So uh, Janie is out here, LOL, laughing at us. So John, believe it or not, we still had two more topics that we needed to cover. So I think what we're going to need to do is jump into a podcast right after this one just to be able to get caught up because we were ready to jump on to the next session. But look at that. They have over 380 pools, 16 for today. Love that. Love it, Pool Caddy. Dave, love that. Absolutely. Would love to chat with you. I sent you my email address. Shoot me a message or even on Instagram, shoot me a DM and let's connect and get your story. John, final thoughts. Look, you know me, I'm a sucker for these types of podcasts, right? I love talking about the nuts and bolts and all the, the intricate shit we have to deal with as business owners. I think that's the fun stuff. And I think it's the reality. It's the most important. It all falls down to building a solid structure or a foundation for this company or the company that you're running. And it sets the tone for future interactions and how well you're going to do down the road. A little decision like this, as far as attendance policy you might think it's vague or you might think it's maybe micromanaging or you might think it's not important, but I'm telling you, it's these little operational decisions that play the make the biggest splash down the road if you don't nip them in the butt immediately. Attendance is one of those things that it's a really tough situation. It's a lot easier as if you're in a corporate environment with many employees and you have a support system and you need to be fair and consistent across the board. But it's as far as hiring and firing people and holding them accountable because you have other employees, right? And you have measures put into place to, to help absorb that extra work. If you do let go of an employee because of, or if they do call out, whereas when you're a small business owner 
and you only have one person working for you, right? Or two people working for you, but especially with one person working for you, it can literally destroy your company because imagine being put in a position where you're doing 70 pools yourself and you have an employee doing 70 pools or 80 pools and 80 pools and they call out and you have no contingency plan or no way of taking care of those clients and you have an employee that just quits on you or whatever. And now you have an additional 80 pulls that you have to do on your own. Something's going to give, right? And it's going to hurt you. You're going to, it's going to hurt your bottom line and it can destroy your company and your reputation. And then when you get backed in a corner and that that's when you as an employer start to make some pretty desperate decisions and do things that you probably wouldn't do if you were more prepared for it in a perfect world. Takeaways from this is, and this might sound unrealistic, but the reality is when you do hire your first employee and you bring them on, attendance is one of the very first things that needs to be addressed with them. And you need to have a clear and consistent path of accountability when it comes down to it. And you need to put yourself in a position to where that when you do hold them accountable, because uh, you will have to at one point, right, that you follow through with it, but you're able to absorb that additional work without it being detrimental to your business. It might be harder on you as a business owner because you're going to have to work a little harder. It might work seven days or six days, or you'll have to work 14 hour days, but boo hoo, that's what we do. That's what we are as business owners. And sometimes we get a little too laxed and you get a little too comfortable that we're not working as much now because we have an employee here or there, or you get a little too greedy and you hire an employee, you bring them on. And then now you stack yourself up with a bunch of employee, with a bunch of accounts and to where now you can't absorb those, that extra work. And instead of bringing on another employee, right? So that you can offset some of that load so that you're able to still do it. You put yourself in that position to where all of a sudden things are going beautiful for six months. And then month seven, your business crumbles the crash. because half your people, yeah, you half your people quit on you. Right. And then they're writing reviews on you and telling you shitty of a company you guys are. Nobody shows up, blah, 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 blah. Right. And everything you've worked so hard to build and work is just disappeared because of one bad apple, right? Because they screwed you over and it's a lot easier said than done, but do not put yourself in that position. Do everything at all costs to make sure that you're prepared that when you do bring on that employee, that you're able to work without them as well. Absolutely. And if you can do that, I think you'll be fine. Absolutely. And you have to be the standard. And I went through this, John, where I had a guy that was giving me an attitude. And one day in my driveway, he gave me an attitude and he's like, well, I'm going to quit. I'm like, you know what? Just let me give me the keys to the truck. Like we're done. I'm not going to play hostage to anybody. If I got to get out there and I got to do 80 pools, I'll do 80 pools. I don't care. But that sends the right message to everybody else. Right. And it's not a good position to be in. But you have to prepare for those type of situations and you have to have that game plan of of how you're going to manage it. And it's just like John says, you have to be very careful that you're not doing 80 pools and then you bring somebody on and give them 80 pools, having the expectation that they can manage 80 pools. And then all of a sudden they quit on you and now you have 160 pools and you got nobody else to help. You have to strategize and have a game plan as to how you're going to handle those situations if they come up. It's your playbook. And you have to have all those plays in your playbook so that when they happen, you're not caught by surprise and you have the stress and the chaos of it all. But you're like, here's how we're going to manage that situation. And look, you will go through it. Like every business owner will go through it and every business will change. No business is ever on cruise control and it's all perfectly and it all runs. It's like every business has its ups and has its downs. And it's just a matter of how you prepare and how you manage 
for those situations. So big shoot shout out over here to Mr. Mike Acosta. Mikey's quick coupler is on here. He's talking, keep notes. I had an 80 man crew needed the notes. Absolutely. You got to stay on top of all the details out there. So anyways, John, this is the final podcast for 2022. So crazy, huh? It's completely crazy. I am going to tell you, and I know you don't like this, but I'll get a little sentimental here, but thank you for your friendship. Thank you for this crazy journey. See, he, he turns off the mic so nobody sees him crying because that's why he gets mad because he starts to cry. John, I want to thank you for your friendship. I want to thank you for being part of this crazy journey. Zach, I don't know if you're listening. If not, play it on replay. Thank you as well for this crazy journey. It's been a fun ride. 2023 is coming around the corner and we think about it and we talk about it and it's like, man, we have so many things that are coming to fruition that we've worked on so hard in the last two years that I am, I'm really excited for 2023 and all the things that will come our way. So I want to thank every listener out there, everybody that's completely supported us throughout this whole journey. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here and we love doing this, but without you, obviously we would be doing it for not, we would be doing it for nothing. So everybody, thank you. I hope you all have a phenomenal 2022 and we'll catch everybody on the next podcast all right have a good one john all see right, see everybody he kind of went quiet he's just like uh uh uh, uh, uh i don't know emotional. what to say i don't know what to say <laughs> anyways john we'll catch you on the next one bye thanks for listening to the pool nation podcast a member of the pool nation family You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com.